Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of The Snapshot. We are your hosts. My name is Brendan Patrick, and I'm joined by none other than Marvel Snap Phenom KM Best. The Snapshot is a Marvel Snap podcast focused on the competitive side of the game, and episode one is all about our top five new player tips. This podcast is also available with video if you head over to youtube.com slash the underscore snapshot. So without further ado, here's episode one of The Snapshot. KM, how are you doing, sir? What has your week in Marvel Snap looked like? I know you're pretty deep into the infinite grind now. Power Cosmic is almost done. Uh, we're going to be heading over to the, uh, what is it? The the Zabu season, as I was calling it, um, here on Monday, actually. But uh, what, what's your grind look like? I, I think last time I saw you were about a rank 180 infinite. 90 now. Um, I do want to I do want to circle back to something, though. Mm. You started out this podcast calling me a Marvel Snap Phenom. In your Twitter, it says you are a flesh and blood phenom. What's up with the use of the word phenom? So, it's one of my favorite words. But uh, unfortunately, mm. that uh, the the title of phenom for me is not a, not a title of endearment. I, I acquired that I acquired that nickname after losing in. Um, incredible fashion to magic pro tour champion david rude on stream at a flesh and blood tournament i went in for top eight um there's actually there was a meme of uh, my face looking into the camera and my my look of surprise when he when he blew me out uh that was printed on some sleeves that people would uh, play against me <laughs> at big at big fab tournaments so it's a bit of a joke for so like a bit of a joke less, for me <laughs> it's less it's less complimentary and more like uh like a some sort of arcane curse that you've placed on my career uh hopefully you don't run into the sort of luck i've run into on on stream whenever marvel snap does come out with their 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 big tournaments but um yeah i don't think i don't think you yeah. could acquire that bad luck it's it's truly something something cosmic when they call me a phenom they mean that i'm terrible <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what they mean yeah yeah okay anyway let's actually talk about some marvel snap uh my I'm currently about rank 190, mm -hmm. which I, I, I am unclear. I do not have the, the sense that ranks past infinite mean much to anybody except weird people like me uh, who stream every day. I, uh, I like I have my own like, you know, I like to go positive in the sessions that I play and that sort of adds up over time. Yeah. Uh, but since ranks and MMR are so different. It's it's really hard to know how much they matter. The context of the rank you achieve, like if you're getting a high rank in pool five playing against all the pool five players, or if you're getting a high rank by staying in pool one, sitting at collection level 213 and beating up a bunch of bots because your MMR is very out of whack with the average MMR at your uh, collection level. There's a bunch of hidden stuff in matchmaking that sort of makes rank claiming a little pointless, but I still do it. <laughs> Because it makes people click on my stream. Yeah. But I'm still number one, baby. Yeah, the, the hidden MMR system. I don't think I am. I don't think I am. I really don't. I'm pretty sure there's a guy who's like rank 300. Oh, wow. Yeah, the hidden MMR system is pretty bizarre. Uh, I, I understand why it's implemented, but it does feel weird once you surpass rank 100 and you enter into infinite. Yeah. And yeah, it's just like 
you're not playing other people that are at that rank. And then I, I remember I watched, I remember watching you in the season where you were 500 plus infinite. It was like, I mean, you were in an ELO where there was, there was nobody else. And it was just like, why nobody. is this a system? I don't think they, they expected people to hit this high of a rank. Um, so yeah, for, for me, um, I hit infinite probably a couple weeks ago. You've been resting on those laurels, not, not pushing, pushing high infinite or anything like that. Just playing fun decks. Um, you know, going, yeah, like a normal, person. like a normal person, like a human being. <laughs> Well, yeah, I've, I've stopped yelling at my phone screen um, as I right. as, as I dropped the you know, plus minus ninety five for about a week there. My my power cosmic season was interesting because I, I started off and I hit rank ninety in about you know like five or ten hours or, or maybe less, like basically day one, and then I proceeded to for about ten to fourteen days just go up and down in the nineties as leader became more popular and leech entered the game, and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> mental mental struggle there but um yeah been been circling back to the the sarah decks it's just one of my favorite cards to play um it, in combination with subway surfer i think that that uh that archetype has been a bit unlocked it it maybe is less powerful in the current meta but if if we see leader leader take take a hit soon um it's probably the number one deck on my it's like my go-to i think that's interesting. I my preferred you can tell that I'm like a this is this is like a Marvel Snap boomer take. And I get that that's weird about a game that's been out for like two months. But if you've been playing in the beta, it's been out for like six or seven. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean when I say it's a boomer take. My favorite Sarah decks don't play Silver Surfer. They're not better. They're definitely worse. But like they're the decks that are like they remind me of the decks that were good in the beta. And so I play them a lot more than I should just because I like them. I like doing like Sarah Carnage Mysterio stuff. I like I like that. It's bad. I get it. I, it's fine. I'll deal. Hey, it might come back eventually. Um, so yeah, let's 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 hop into the news section here. So we got the the speaking of Sarah, the line in the sand bundle went live, I believe last hmm. night, and it has a particularly nice Sarah variant. Did you did you pick that up by chance? The second it came the out. The second it came out. It was the one the, the one I, I was waiting for as well. I didn't buy any of the bundles that didn't contain tokens mm. except this one. Yeah. They got me. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. That I, I, I feel like I got willingly mugged, <laughs> but I'll do it again. Uh, you can't stop me. A little bit of buyer's remorse. I, I know the feeling. No remorse. <laughs> no, 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 no. I want to be clear. I have absolutely no remorse. I would do it 10 out of 10 times. It's bad value. I know it's bad value. I would do it every single time for magical girl sarah yeah it's it's a good one i want to i want to i want to split infinity split that and get the the inkify version here pretty soon um so yeah we mentioned this kind of at the top of the show but uh, power cosmic is going to have come to an end by the time this podcast releases we are recording this on a saturday which is going to be particularly in interesting for our question of the week um and then next up is the zabu season i'm sure there's another name for it but it is escaping me right now zabu is the card that comes out with the season pass zabu is a card that says ongoing your four cost card cost two less minimum one cam do you have any sort of initial thoughts on this card i mean we could just hit it from you know ten thousand feet which is do you think this is going to be powerful is it going to affect the competitive meta or do you think it's more of a kind of like black panther-esque level of power i'm gonna take a sort of different take on this uh two things one black panther good card mm -hmm. totally it's like a functional it's a card that you will see as opposed to say I don't know. I guess what's the worst battle pass card that's come out? Surely it's actually? from beta, right? Because Silver Surfer is right. nuts. 
No, Silver Surfer's really good. Black Panther's really good. I mean, Thor came out in the beta as a 4-6, so he was definitely worse than he is now after they moved him to a 3-4. Uh, I guess Nick Fury yeah. would be the worst Battle Pass card. That would be the one you'd go to as like, that. that's just, that's just like, even with the Battle Pass, don't get me wrong, I bought it. And I would again. But uh, yeah, it, this is definitely not a Nick Fury. It is closer to a Silver Surfer than a Nick Fury. It is... What I think that really stands out to me about Zabu is that you it's a payoff card or a build around card, I should say, that you have to draw by turn three. Mm -hmm. And that worries me a lot because it turns kind of the entire game. Assuming this deck is like tier one, tier zero, there's like if it's just doing the strongest things when you draw Zabu, it kind of turns the game into did you draw Zabu? And I know I know a lot of people listening will be like, well, Sarah's like that. Silver Surfer's like that. A lot of cards are like that. Yeah, but a lot of those cards are late game cards. You have more time to draw them. Your deck doesn't function if you draw it, but you draw it like 75% of the time if you're a Silver Surfer deck because you draw nine cards per game and there's 12 cards in your deck. With Zabu, it just feels like if that card is good, then I can't even imagine how horrible Zabu mirrors are going to be. They're just going to be you snap before playing Zabu and then they just hope your opponent lost the coin flip to draw Zabu. That sounds like the worst thing on earth. Yeah. Just just trying to cheek the extra cube on them by by pre-snapping your Zabu. Yeah. Uh, it, then losing to like Enchantress or whatever. Mm. <laughs> like it's it sounds nightmarish. Yeah. I I'm I'm foreseeing it to be a bit more medium, but I don't know. It's one of those sort of hyper synergistic cards where somebody could figure it out past what I'm able to sort of theorize right now, but it looks like it's going to be okay. Like for Silver Surfer, that, you know, Silver Surfer is buffing, buffing all your three costs as well. And that card just feels particularly powerful because of how well it slots into the Sarah deck. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it looks good gonna pick it up for sure and it has it has potential it has potential to say the least i, I do want to say one thing about the season pass though cam I, I i personally hope that we get a card back for infinite this season you know in power cosmic we got a title did you do you have any sort of thoughts on that do you prefer a card back over a title okay here's my take anyone who uses an infinite cosmetic reward is too try hard like like act like you've been there before <laughs> that's my take Act like you've been there before. It's not a big deal to hit infinite. Relax. And I don't want anyone hearing this to be like, oh, he said it's not a big deal. I feel so bad about myself for not being able to. No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's a function of time and effort. And I think most, if not all, players of Marvel Snap, if they put in the requisite time and effort, and it is probably more than you think, can do it. That's not to say, like, it's, it's not meaningless, but it's just like, you know, I expect that if you try the requisite amount of if you try hard enough basically i guess you know now when i'm saying this i'm like you know maybe maybe people should do that maybe people should feel like they put in the effort and got rewarded for it maybe that's what it's about maybe i'm just a, an asshole 
Yeah. But I feel like, you know, like, look, act like you've been there before. Basically, if I like I know people and I, I feel this way because I know people who are like, oh, I queued into someone with the infinite card back. I feel so mad about this. Like, no, dude, I promise you they suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, I promise they are bad. I feel like this is a particular dig at the people using the Silver Surfer rank 80 profile photo. It was like the first time we got a, a higher ish rank sort of profile picture. And I knew I remember like day one of the season pass. So many people were rocking in that just like a flex it's like <laughs> that is that, that's in my opinion that's a bit worse than a card back not that it's bad I but i mean no I, like, I just like I, whatever it is like whatever it is it's just like i in the in the beta there were a lot of people who, like it was, it was a thor profile picture mm. and there were a lot of people using the thor profile picture it's like yeah we, we get it it's okay dude yeah like <laughs> like i don't know i don't even like i i don't think there's anything wrong with being proud of your accomplishment and it's honestly probably like plus ev because you'll queue into someone who's like rank 80 and they'll see the, the 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 cosmetic and they'll get mad and then you'll win. Like You'll probably get like some percentage points off of that. I don't think that's like the worst thing you can do. But just for me, my own personal opinion, no judgment implied, it feels tacky. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably be inclined to, to agree with you on that one. Uh, all right. So next up, we have our uh, what we're calling our bend and snap section the legally blonde reference there this is going to be our question section ideally a listener or viewer question this being episode one we don't have that so i have a question for km best here and this is probably something that's on everybody's mind and like i said we're recording on saturday and this this is going to release after the season pass comes out so after a potential patch and uh changes to the card we're talking about so we'll we'll talk about uh how close cam got next week so Cam, do you think that leader is healthy for the game? And how would you go about quote unquote fixing the card if not? This could be a power nerf, ability redesign, or even completely delete it from the game. I think what well, let's start at the top. Um my proposed change to leader is to make it a 6-2 or a 6-3. I do think leader is healthy for the game. Not in the current form, of course, where he's just sort of like the default six cost card that you play in every deck. I think he needs what bothers me about leader specifically is that let's say you're a deck that wants to play uh, a top end of like the Hulk mm. or whatever. You just lose to leader. Yep. And that that sucks that that like obviously no competitive deck is playing the Hulk. I'm using it here as an example, but it sucks that a card that seems designed to stop you know the playing of multiple cards or to counteract the playing of multiple cards from your opponent is also so good at just oh it beats whatever six drop you're running like oh you're playing dr doom to put power into a storm lane no i'm playing a nine power dr doom sorry about it like it it's that's i think the 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 cost of having him in his current state i don't know if a power nerf exactly fixes it but it should bring his play rate a little bit down, which kind of has the effect of fixing it, right? A card is only overpowered if you see it enough. I know that sounds dumb, but it's true, right? Like, what matters is the experience that you're having, not... Like, power doesn't exist in a vacuum. If, if leader is super busted, but only, like, 2% of people are playing it, it doesn't actually matter. Mm -hmm. And what matters is the effect it has. Now, like, obviously, in a competitive mode, that can... That can change, but I I, I want to see him toned down. The issue is if you get rid of him entirely, I think decks like Death Wave will mm. be 
very, 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 very powerful without him to check them. Yeah. Uh, the, the the ability to use wave offensively and defensively and the equity those decks get by just like knowing like if leader isn't in the metagame and you have a hand that lets you do the wave stuff, you just snap, you win. Yep. Like it's over. And it's very hard to get around that unless your opponents are doing something like uh, Wong, White Tiger, Odin or, you know, Wong, Black Panther, Arnim Zola, things that will actually outpower you. Uh, just playing one card a turn, and those are rarer right now than just seeing leader is. I'm not saying it's like an insurmountable problem beating Death Wave. I don't. I don't really think it is. But if you're gonna touch leader, you either have to leave him in his current spot or hit Death Wave. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that's like the bare minimum. There are probably a ton of other cascading effects that a nerf to that card would have. I don't know. I'm not a game designer. I'm just a guy who plays the game a lot. And I think people like me are prone to giving uninformed, dumb opinions on game design. So I do want to be clear that like, you don't need to like hear what I'm saying and be like, Oh, he knows what he's talking about. I might, I might not (laughs) like you got to take my opinion with a grain of salt here. Uh, There are probably a million things about cascading effects that I'm not taking into account that could impact their decision-making process. Yeah. And I think generally they should be given a bit more slack because I know for a fact, all the people saying this stuff is obvious are just wrong. Yeah. I feel like the people that particularly dislike leader, um, it's less because of how it limits game design in the, in the six drop slot and more because it's a feel bad card to play against. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a stack your deck with the best cards in the game. Be, winning two lanes have priority then play leader with board slots and yes like you will be able to win but there's 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 slightly a downside to that where leader is quite telegraphed right it, it's pretty easy yep. to sometimes see when you're going to lose to something like leader the fact that you have to always expect it yeah kind of annoying i get that uh i do think that we, we talked about hulk right you said hulk like limit like leader would limit the the sort of design and the ability to play a card like Hulk, but it also does that for something like null right a because null's null's effect and its power gain is symmetrical which makes it really annoying because you get this cool series five card that comes out and then boom your opponent can copy the leader and get the same power like if null was one-sided then maybe but yeah that's where leader sort of falls short for me is how it limits six drop card design i do think it is a sort a somewhat fundamentally unfun ish card to play against but yeah the, the right. power nerf could be possible six three would that be enough maybe um would le- would leader be playable at six zero uh maybe not i mean it would be it'd be i mean six zero six zero is like a weird spot because if he's unexpected like if i would play leader at six zero if my opponent did not expect me to play leader i think he's actually kind of like what makes him so powerful is he's kind of unbeatable if you don't think about him. Yeah. Like if you're not specifically thinking, does this play lose to leader? You're going to lose to him, whether he's a six zero or a six four. And I think that's, that's the other thing people really hate about it. it. Like there's this sort of triumvirate of six costs at the top of the, at the top of all the control decks, there's leader, there's doom and there's Magneto. Mm. And you can't play around all of them at the same time. It's actually just generally not possible because if you are in a position where you can play around all of them, your opponent has left the game. Yeah. So 
you are sitting in your there's there's this weird like guess what they're gonna play on six thing and like playing really hard around leader means you just lose to like 12 power in another lane or whatever off of magneto it's i don't think that's necessarily bad but i get why people are so frustrated because they're in this situation where like the best play is just to be like well I don't think he's playing leader and then they're playing leader and then you lose. Yeah. And I, I, I do agree that the, the number one thing that sucks about leader is how bad he feels mm-hmm. uh, like you. But I, I it's hard to extricate that from just how much he makes people lose. Yeah. Right. Because losing feels bad. So like, is he is he strong and people hate it or does he specifically have a way of making people feel bad? And I think he does specifically have a way of making people feel bad him the all the cards that say whatever you're doing just doesn't matter they're the sort of uh to use a magic the gathering analogy they're the counter spells of this game mm-hmm. where they just say no sorry and there's a reason people hate blue and magic the gathering and there's a reason people hate leader and cosmo and all the things that just say no no in this yeah and you know, like you can just say that, you know, mad cause bad, but I think there is something to that. Yeah. And I think there's a weird part, weird area of game design where leader actually incentivizes players to not play their cards, which is probably not what they were going for, right? Where if your opponent, if you expect your opponent to play leader and you have something like a sunspot on board and it's going to win you the game, it can be possible that the correct decision is actually to pass your turn, buff sunspot, they play leader, lose the game. And that's that's just a weird area to operate in i think uh from like a card design perspective where like we want to incentivize our players to actually not not play right they, they get punished for playing their sort of turn six um across the board almost right and i think i think the other thing that's sort of fundamental about leader is since the game is a betting game and stakes automatically double on the last turn of the game you are incentivized on a sort of fundamental deck building play level to keep your opponent in until turn six and then reveal your power. That's the basic way the game plays. And leader is a tech card against doing that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's part of, I think that's why he is so hated because every deck it's, it's built in this baseline way. You, you just, you, you every deck has something with it. They want to hold in reserve and then explode to be surprising and win those extra cubes. And leader is just like, that's mine now. Actually, the way your deck is built is wrong and dumb, and I have it now. Uh, sorry about it. And I think that that's, a, that's what people really hate about him, is because there's these things that make sense. They think of, they're thinking about the game the right way, and I did air quotes there. And, and then leader is like, ha ha, you thought about the game the wrong way because I exist. And, and that's what people hate about him. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I guess we'll see in what, like 24, 48 hours here. If it does get any sort of hits, uh, maybe power level, maybe a, yeah, I, I don't I, I don't super expect the uh, ability redesign, but I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, this is our bend, be our bend and snap section. If you want to submit a question that we can read off on the pod, answer it here. Go over to YouTube.com for now. Uh, check out this video and shoot a, shoot us a comment. Let us know any questions. We'll we'll pick the best and we'll go ahead and answer them here. Uh, this can be a super super fun section for us. All right, on to our main topic of the pod, our top five new player level up, level ups, starting out with number one here. I know this is sort of a big one for you, KM, probably the most encompassing one. And actually, if you're going to take away just one thing from this entire list, this should be it. And that is 
sort of op- mapping the opponent's turns. I call it do the math. I think you mentioned something about ranges, but it's understanding what your opponent can play against you, what sort of values they can play within, and how you're going to stay in the game, potentially beat that, um, et cetera, et cetera. Cam, this is sort of, I know you're very passionate about this one in particular, so I'm going to go ahead and let you take it. Let's let's start with, like I guess, level one of this concept, which is just asking yourself, what is my opponent doing? And how does what they're doing beat what I'm doing? And that, that that's like those are like the 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 two questions you need to ask yourself in every game of Marvel Snap every turn. Just be like, all right, what are they doing? How does it beat what I'm doing? And then what does that mean for what I'm doing? And like, you know, the classic example of this is, let's say you are playing against the deck that has played a Thor and a White Queen. You're like, oh, that's probably like the Leech Leader deck or some variant thereof. Right. And so you know what they're doing. And then you ask, how does that be what I'm doing? Uh, And then this, let's say it's turn six. They have not played a Leech. They played, let's say, uh, Thor, White Queen, Arrow. Right. You have to figure out, okay. Are they playing leader? Probably. Are they playing Magneto? Probably. Can I beat either of those cards? Can I beat both of those cards? If you can, you stay. Like, let's say you're playing Patriot or whatever. You have all your buffs on the board now. They're not going to beat you with a leader. And then you have to ask yourself the question, if they're not going to beat you with a leader, why are they still here? Yeah. Why did, why did they snap me back? Why are we, why are we playing for eight cubes right, right now? <laughs> what do they know? I, on my stream, a lot of the time, I, I refer to this as what are they cooking? Uh, but really, it's just what do they know? What do they know that is causing them to do the things that they're doing? And this can be varied, right? Like maybe what they know is that they're rank infinite already and they don't care mm-hmm. and they just want to see what you have, right? Like maybe maybe they don't know anything. Maybe they're bad. I don't know. You have to make that decision. But generally, at least at my, you know, MMR and rank, I respect the people I play and I figure they have good reasons for doing the things that they're doing. You know, I I don't actually know if this advice is widely applicable, (laughs) but generally I have I have I respect that people are doing the things they're doing for a reason. And I think that they are generally understanding the game at a pretty decent level. And so if I'm in a game and they're in a game and I'm pretty sure I'm going to win and they are still in the game, I need to ask, what do they know and why are they here? And if I snap, will they leave? If I snap, will they stay? That questions like that really, really matter. And, and, and this this is I consider it like level one stuff. What are they doing? How do I lose to it? Can I do anything to beat the thing I expect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I encountered this. Uh, you can encounter this a lot if you play like Wong decks in particular. <laughs> so if you play Wong on turn four, your opponent doesn't do anything on turn five to counter it. To, you know, the lane is relatively open and then they decide to stay in the game in turn six. It's like, why would they do that, right? Because they, they likely lose to most things that come down along, assuming the board is relatively equal at this point. And, you know, if you're playing something like Sarah, Surfer, Wong, then on turn six, the main thing you're going to expect is like, wow, 
they sandbag the Cosmo for for turn six, right? They have priority. You have long. It's like you probably you almost should never stay in that game because they've sandbagged the the tech card to sort of beat you out on turn six, or just trying to drag you into that scenario. Because they could maybe, if the resources were efficient, play the Cosmo on turn five. But if they play it on turn six, they're more likely to kind of drag you into that, make you over to commit to cubes, and that's really all you can expect because you know you're like, okay, I'm playing I'm playing this this sort of silly card in the form of long, and if I Silver Surfer it. I beat almost anything in the entire game. So why are they here? And yeah, it's usually because something like like a tech card like Cosmo. Well, the other thing about Wong is he is a card that it is extremely easy to estimate the range of. Like you just have to do a little bit of math, right? Like if you've playing, if you're playing a Wong after playing like Captain America or whatever, I know what's going on. And then you would just have to like do it. And then it's just a question of the range, right? Okay, so that brood that you played is going to go to what? Like the brood gets, it goes from six and then it gets like plus three on each of the broods and then plus three more on each of the broods. Like I know what's going on here, right? It's extremely easy for someone who's familiar with the game to be like, okay, well, they'll have uh, what they'll have. You had a total of. 18 plus yes you have 24 power in the brood lane you'll have like five power in the long lane like it's easy for me to know that and then just be like oh can i beat that or not like and that's 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 sort of kind of where i'm getting at it. it doesn't have to be cosmo it just has to be something you can estimate the range of like if you play wong in a black panther i'm gonna armor that lane <laughs> like, <laughs> i'm gonna do that yeah. Like, or if you play Wong in a Black Panther, I'm going to be like, okay, sometimes I've been like, okay, can I beat it if the Zola hits the Panther before the Wong? I've done that before where it's like, all right, that's a 50 50. But if, if I can beat say 32 power in one lane, I know I'm going to beat the lane that the Panther and the Wong are in currently if they Zola it. So it's like, okay, if I can get above 32 power in the other lane, I can stay and try for that 50 50 on that. Yeah. Like it's. There's a lot of things where it's like, you know, it's not just, oh, you'll lose to a tech card, right? It's also, if your range is obvious, then your opponents know if they can stay or not. Yeah. And, and that's that's important. Yeah, if you're playing one of those linear decks that sort of have that that very predictable curve out of like four, five, six, then I think that if you're staying in a game where you have something like 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 the Zola onto your Red Skull or like this, you know, Zola onto any big thing that you're obviously going to be doing that on to try to win two lanes, your opponent stays in, they have something, right? They have the Shang-Chi on one of the other lanes because you have priority and you're flipping first, et cetera, et cetera. I think that a lot of this, a lot of this skill does come with practice and repetition, but it's just like general meta knowledge and understanding but i think it's like we, you have to be focused on it right you have to be going through these thought exercises on the regular and you'll find that you'll this will come naturally and this uh, this is the skill that's fundamental to anybody getting better at marvel snap it's it's like the one thing the one almost quantitative thing that you get better at more and more that makes you just a better player. You lose less cubes, you gain more cubes as you're able to understand and predict what your opponent is trying to do. And when they're trying to drag you in to a game where they're getting more cubes out of you, when you should leave, when you should retreat, etc. Because a lot of it is just patterns. And most games of Marvel Snap are relatively predictable, I'd say. Yeah. What are they doing and why are they doing it? There's usually a good reason. Sometimes they're inting, but most of the time there's like a good reason. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're just like, oh my God, I'm not doing the math here. <laughs>
Uh, I do that a lot, actually. Like, time. like people respect me a little more than they should. I think uh, I, there's a lot of times where I'm just like, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure. I'm not counting. I'm pretty sure about this. I do that all the time. Yeah, especially when it. Yeah, yeah especially when someone's doing some long stuff. I'm like, mm, I probably have more than them. They're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Let's find out. I'll let them do the math, or you know, in, in yeah, other card like games, the math is for not for me. blockers. Yeah, in, in other card games, yeah, math is for not me. It's not for me. All right. So number two um, on our top five level ups is when to snap and when not to. This this topic is <clears throat> pretty hard to hit from from high level because it's very nuanced. It's almost always contextual, but there are some some basic things that we can mention here. And I would say for me, uh, this is it's kind of a new player trap. I think it's funny because I. Th- the deeper you go into it, you're like, hmm, maybe is it actually correct? But that's uh, snapping on the final turn when you're way, when you're too far ahead, when you're obviously going to win the game, or you're just <clears throat> particularly far ahead. A lot of times when you snap on that on that final turn, you actually incentivize your opponent to leave the game. You signal them that like, hey, I'm very confident here. They leave the game. You only get one cube. It's 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 uh, you know you can lose a lot of cubes doing that. I feel like at the uh, at the higher ranks. I uh. I do want to offer one, I guess, modification to what you said, which is it's not don't ever snap on the last turn of the game. It's don't snap when you're going to win and you think it'll make them leave. And so, like, I think this is important clarification to offer because, like, earlier in the game, there might be people bad enough to lose to that. Like. And also, if you're playing against a robot, feel free. (laughs) Do it whenever. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Uh, But like, there, it's a question of leveled thinking, right? The reason you don't snap there is because it would make your opponent leave. If you don't think it would make your opponent leave, feel free to snap. If you think you have something they're not expecting, feel free to snap. Like it that's 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 why surprise is so important in Marvel Snap. Mm-hmm. It's why the longer a deck is no a known quantity, the worse it gets. Because the more people are able to be like, oh, that's what he's doing. I get it. I can leave now. Right? Like if someone plays Wong Wind of Black Panther the first day it comes out, maybe you're thinking, Oh, I don't know what that is. That's weird. But like 15 days into the season you're like oh here comes the arnim zola <laughs> like that's that's a very it's a very straightforward thing right and that knowledge i think sort of trickles down from the top ranks over time where the people that get it very quickly that are like uh like the, the people who the first time they see wong panther are like oh arnim zola those people are going to be in the higher ranks already right and then like let's say you know 15 days in someone who is at like rank 60 already knows that too because metagame knowledge sort of percolates Mm -hmm. throughout the entire player base over time like it is someone may have been like surprised by seeing it the first time but is not surprised by seeing it the 10th or the 50th and this is i mean it's good that's why card games are good that's why rotating metagames are good it's important this this is how things change it's why power doesn't exist in a vacuum power exists in context there are plenty of things that are incredibly strong but are bad because they're expected Mm -hmm. the wong decks are a great example of that and so when you when you talk about snapping it's it's just it's the same skill it's the same skill what do they know what do i know what are they doing yeah it's such an interesting concept in marvel snap where you're almost based 
how the cube, how cubes and snapping works, it's like you're very incentivized to have decks that explode onto the board on turn six rather than kind of show their hand on turns four or turns five or something like that, which has probably led to leader being so good where it is right now. Uh, I do want to ask you though, KM, and this is, this is a spicy topic I know for myself, but how much conviction do you need to stay in an eight cuber? These, I think that a lot of players on their climb up will find that they can maybe stay at around a 60%, maybe 65% win rate just overall, but where they tend to stall out is, you know, for every every six out of ten games they're winning, one of those they've lost an eight cuber or a four cuber or something like that. How much conviction do you need to stay in an eight cuber? I'd really ask, how did you get into the eight cuber in the first place? Like, what happened to cause that to happen? I don't think I very rarely retreat on four, but I very rarely see my games go to eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I, it takes to get in an eight cuber. One of you has to have made a mistake, yep. whether that's a hasty snap early because you thought your hand was good or uh, a Scarlet Witch rolled a location that broke whatever your plan was or whatever. I Like staying in an eight cuber, honestly, I think should be obvious where if you think you're in this. I'd wager the, the extra four cubes on it. Yeah. Like, if you think you're not in this, you leave when they snap. Like, if you think you're going to lose, you're out of here when they snap. You have to ask yourself when they snap. If, let's say you've snapped and they're snapping back. What makes them do that? Yeah. Why are they doing that? What is the card they're going to play that beats me? And sometimes this happens to me and I'm like, I don't really know what the card is. I'm sure they have a good reason, but I have no idea what it is. And I want to find out. <laughs> Been there. But yeah. Like that, that's probably not correct. My general, here's my heuristic right now. And this will change over time. When someone snaps you, trust them. That's my heuristic. When someone snaps you, they, they know what they're doing. Like they're not, they're not stupid. They know what they're doing. They, they like, maybe they're like, if you want to say that my, you're, you're like, I think this person is stupid, then you could stay. But generally, if someone snaps you, they, they, got, they got a pretty good idea that they're doing the thing their deck does. And you have to figure out if you can beat it right then. Yep. Yep. I think that what you said, a, you said a concept there that is really simplistic, but uh, I think really fundamental as well. And that's that if you find yourself in an eight cuber, one of you is wrong and very wrong, right? Like one, one of you has done the math incorrectly and you have to sort of use your metagame knowledge and just player experience to weigh up the possibility of it being you. Um, because both players sitting at a, at a turn six, eight cube have, should have a lot of conviction in their own play, but somebody's made a mistake somewhere. Yep. Yeah. One of you, in order to win eight cubes, someone's got to be wrong, really wrong. Yeah. All right. So I would, uh, another one I had on here was snap the turn before you're going to pull ahead before you're sort of quote yeah. unquote winning the game kind of obvious but a bit hard to do right probably takes a lot of experience you know maybe snap before you play the sarah maybe snap before uh like the wong has come down or something like that and you you, you don't think they have cosmo they haven't played it it's like okay you snap before you come out with some combo or something like that uh it's just if you play if you do the most powerful thing your deck can do and you snap after you do it You'll be you'll be seeing a lot of opponents retreat, right? So recognizing when your deck is going to do the most powerful thing it can uh, before the turn it does it is when you should be snapping. I also think, and I think this is probably the weakest part of my game, 
is snap timing and offensively snapping. Mm -hmm. I am really good at convincing people to stay in games. I am really good at snapping and then being like, you know, they snap me and I'm like, I don't think so about that. But a lot of the times in those situations, I don't snap back because then they'll be like, oh, shit, what is he doing? Mm -hmm. Right. And I want those four cubes. Right. I can snap back later and get get like two, but like there's a lot of times where it's like, you know, someone's advantaged on turn three. They snap against me and I'm like, no, I'm staying in this one and I'll win that. And I don't know when to snap in those games. Yeah. Do I snap immediately? As soon as I decide I'm staying in, am I supposed to snap? I don't know. Yeah. Like, like this is like an actually this is like an actually difficult situation, right? Because like I wonder if I'm like costing myself an extra four cubes by not snapping there. But I think I think, you know, my theory would be if you think you're going to win and they snap you and you're like pretty sure you know what they're doing and that you beat it, you probably should snap back there. But that's so hard to do. Yeah, it's tough. it's so hard to make myself do it, especially when you as need a few top decks, right? Like if, you, if you're like, like if you're yeah. if, let's say you're in a good spot, your opponent snaps you early and you're like, OK, they probably drew their Patriot Mystique or something like that. They just they, yeah. they've got the best thing their deck can be doing. But you're like, I kind of need like one more top deck to actually beat that to beat the best thing they can be doing yeah. like if it's like medium i can beat them i'm ahead on board i'm doing really well but i do need the kind of top deck the arrow to like pull the mystique or something like right. that like that I would i've snap. been playing i've been playing killmonger in my like the my shuri uh leader vision arrow deck recently because a lot of people have been playing you know patriot and zoo mm -hmm. to beat leader right I'm just like, what if we just play Killmonger? What if we just became a Killmonger deck, right? And there's a lot of situations where like they'll snap and I don't have the Killmonger. And looking at the deck, it's like, okay, well, I'm 50% to draw the Killmonger. I guess I'm mathematically supposed to snap back. But here's the thing. I'm a huge coward. You don't know me like that. I'm not snapping back. Because <laughs> like, I don't want to wager that I'm drawing the Killmonger. Yep. You know, I figure the Killmonger is unexpected enough out of the deck that I'm playing. Basically, I've never seen anyone else run the card in that deck. Mm. The Killmonger would be unexpected enough that like and also like, you know, what if I draw the Killmonger and they play armor? Suddenly I lose anyway. Right. Like there's a bunch of situations where it's like, yeah, you have to be really careful with your cubes. I feel like. Yeah. And like it's it's important to actually like think about like, okay, what do I lose to here? Even if I draw the thing, can I lose to something else? In that example, it would be the armor off the Killmonger on like a lane that matters. Right. Yeah, for sure. So the next one I have on here for us is uh, is deck building. This is a. This is a deep concept, obviously, and I think that it could probably occupy its own pod topic, but we'll try to hit it from a high level, right? So for me, when I'm looking at deck building, deck building, I try to build a deck with a game plan in mind. So this could be something as sort of vague as disruption, right? So like a disruption deck, maybe I've got Storm in my deck, I've got Juggernaut, I've got things like Arrow, Leader, like I'm trying to just react to the opponent and disrupt what they're trying to do. Um, I think that there's a lot of decks that play around big turn six plays, things like Destroyer. You might have Warpath in your deck, right? You're very incentivized to have an open lane, um, something to keep in mind when you're building that deck, right? You wouldn't particularly want to put like a, you know, sometimes you wouldn't want to put like a Mysterio in there, something that's going to be putting another card into a lane, turning off your Warpath almost inherently. You know, if you kill a Destroyer, that's another, that's another story. Um, then there's, there, then there's this other type of deck, what I guess is called now, the best deck at this point and that's decks that play to get uh priority in the early game and then just exploits uh the turn five arrow and the turn six leader um 
Cam, you're you're pretty you're pretty prolific for deck building at this point. What are some things that you are thinking about when you're going to build a um, a new deck or take a new or have a new take on a currently established archetype? Yeah, I want to be clear. I don't really build new decks anymore. Um, back in the beta, I was probably the person who popularized Destroyer as an archetype, but not the ongoing version. That was uh, a friend of mine, Owen Collier Ridge, who popularized the ongoing version, uh, which is better than what I was doing. <laughs> but like, I would like back in like, like the first Nexus event of the game. Remember Nexus events? You actually might not. Were you, were, you, were you around for Nexus I events? Am a, I started playing the game on launch, actually, not a beta player. Okay. So like I was around for Nexus events and Destroyer was in the first Nexus event. And I got him from that and popularized like a sort of uh, goblin-based destroyer deck that later involved Daredevil once Daredevil came out, and for a while it was the best way to use Daredevil. Uh, and then the ongoing, the ongoing version pushed the archetype further. I, I popularized like a bounce deck before they nerfed the collector. Mm. Uh, but like I, I don't consider myself a deck builder. I, I also think that like the idea of uh, I think deck ownership or this is so and so's deck is uh, are we. Can we curse on this? Yes. Uh, it's bullshit. It's total bullshit. It is not a real thing. And I think to even buy into the concept of deck ownership privileges those who uh, spent a bunch of money. It doesn't mean I I, I didn't make the Destroyer deck because I'm a genius or anything like that. I made the Destroyer deck because I spent a bunch of money. Mm. I had the cards. I could do that. Right? Like, it's not... It's not, it's not anything other than access to cards, which is a function of money and time that plenty of people like you who started on release do not have. And I, I so like when people talk about like, oh, so-and-so invented whatever, I do that as a joke, but I want to be super clear. Almost everything I do was, is, is at this point is just riffing off of other ideas and trying to iterate on them and tune them and change them as they go, right? Like the deck I'm playing with Shuri in it and Vision was just it originally was just like, you know, I think Leech sucks. Let's take the leader shell and then put Shuri and Vision in it instead of Shang-Chi and, and Leech. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And now it's like probably like seven or eight. Like it's actually very different now. Uh, it's probably like maybe only seven or eight cards remaining from that original shell. And so like, is that the same deck? I don't really know. I think it is the same deck, but like, that's the I don't really know if it is the same deck. That's kind of like kind of an open question, but it's. <sighs> if you want to get better at this game, play something that's actually good instead of trying to make your own shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> if if yeah. if you want to, like, break the meta, you better understand it first. And if you're someone who is like low ranked and wants to like brew or whatever, and just don't be surprised when one out of every 10 is functional and the other nine are terrible because that's how it is for me. Yeah. <laughs> Especially now. Right? I try so many things. Yeah. I try so many things and it's so hard to tell if, if any of them are actually better than the others, you know, because like you know, maybe I just got luckier. Right. Like it's very hard to judge off of your own personal experience how good anything is, which is why like when I talk about like my favorite decks, I talk about my favorite decks and not the best decks, right? Like it's just impossible to actually know this kind of thing. There's no actual sample size, a human being, or there's no actual sample size you could reach in your own play 
that is sufficient in my mind mm -hmm. to make anything other than opinion. And that's not to say opinion is worthless. I think there are people, if they told me, I think this deck is awesome, I would 100% listen and I would 100% play that. And I would 100% trust them on that. Yeah, Opinion matters, but it's not the same thing as fact. I think you... And so... I'll continue. I was just—I uh, was going to say. I think that you mentioned something that was uh, like a pretty good, a pretty good tidbit there, though. Like you saw the original iteration of that leader deck, right? It had um, it had the Shang Chi and it had the Leech, you know, looking to maybe white queen the opponent on four, leech them on five, and then be the only player with leader. Which I actually, you know, I also thought at the same time is like this doesn't really incentivize my opponent to stay in the game. It really incentivizes them to retreat on the Leech. So you switch that out with Shuri and Vision. And I think that's 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 totally fine in a game like Marvel Snap, where deck sizes are so small. And I think that because the player base is so big, like we're just starting to innovate quickly. It's hard to be like, okay, I'm gonna define a new new archetype. The the card pool is also kind of small. So I think that deck yeah. building in Marvel Snap often is changing out one to two cards because they can make a massive difference. Like that Shuri Vision, um, that Shuri Vision change, it's a huge change in terms of how the deck actually plays. Like when you're able to Shuri yep. into Vision, now you have this big movable piece that it's sort of a, it's kind of a counter to leader, right? Because they can't do anything about it. The leader can't do, can't do anything about the 14 power vision that now exists yep. on the board and can move anywhere. So it, it it's a it's an innovation that existed in the context of leader yeah. where it's like okay what's good against leader uh, a bunch of awesome a big power on turn 5 is good against leader big power on turn 5 that can move is better against leader yeah definitely so yeah i think that 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 does encapsulate a lot of deck building in marvel snap marvel snap is a game though I do find, at least for a lot of your journey through the ranks, you can build, brew your own decks, and the way that card acquisition is structured, it does, it doesn't actually incentivize you. It forces you to do that to an extent because you're always going to be missing cards from like top meta decks until you, you know, either whale or get pretty lucky. Um, but you know, you are oftentimes you'll be taking a shell and you'll be switching out a few cards for better options or maybe options that you just have in your collection that can uh, compete with what's in the uh, the sort of popularized list uh you brought up something that i wanted to touch on mm -hmm. which was this actually circles back to uh our bend and snap question of the week where you talk about like why leader feels so bad and it's because for most of the player base they're going to be building with what they have and so like let's say you unlock something super cool mm -hmm. and you're like oh man i can't wait to build around this and then you build around it and then oh leaders here that thing you thought was super cool it's cooler when i do it and it's like oh man what was the point of unlocking any of this all these like cool build around pieces in pool in pool three that you unlock over time he's just like ah, ha, ha, no every time and i think that's something that like that's the thing that because like if you have a full collection and you're a smart player, you can play around him a lot. It's not like he's unbeatable at that situation, but that's not the situation the vast majority of the player base is in. And so I think a lot of players who are really good look at this situation and they're like, you know, leader, leader's fine. Like, he's not unbeatable. He's totally fine. But you're coming at it from the perspective of being really good at the game mm -hmm. and playing a deck that lines up well into leader. And frankly, those two things are not options for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, you can't just choose to do both of those things if you're like CL, you know, 1100. Yeah. And that 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 is important. It matters. And I think I think, frankly, the devs should never in a million years. I complain about like, oh, it seems like they're behind the meta a bit, but it's like they should never be balancing for me. Yeah. 
<laughs> no one should ever focus on me in balance. Yeah, definitely because the the spread the spread is so large because of because of card acquisition in this game, um, especially yep. in pool three. Like pool pool three is absolutely brutal for kind of like free to play in my opinion, especially as as new season pass comes out and potentially nerfs hit. Um, yeah, I, you're 100 percent right. Like we're because I'm actually I'm around collection level five thousand or six thousand as well. Like the game isn't isn't in, intended to be balanced around us who have access to pretty much every single card or can get cards on demand from the shop whenever you know something powerful yep. gets added. Uh, the the next thing I want to talk about here. Is like if you are looking to deck build a Marvel Snap, uh, there are some signpost cards. There are some synergistic cards, and this is going to make your your job a lot easier when you're looking to come up with the, an archetype, right? So cards like Silver Surfer buffing your three costs, cards like Patriot buffing your cards with no text, and cards like Cerebro buffing the uh, power of your costs. So those are like those are what I would consider signpost cards. So <laughs> what isn't a signpost card is something like. I don't know armor. Armor's great. It's a great tool. It fits into a yeah, lot it just of decks. Goes in every exactly. Deck. But it's you're not going to build a deck around armor. So Marvel Snap does have cards that do signal, hey, here's pretty much how you should build the rest of this deck. The the eleven other cards, you know, we buffing your your three costs something like that. So great places to start if you're if you're looking to build up some archetypes and you you maybe don't have access to all the cards, right? Like you might have your silver you might have your silver surfer, but you're lacking your brood, but you can go just snag it out with uh replacement level three costs. Uh <laughs> whatever case. Actually I think brood is one of the ones you, you can't, can't right you that's can't what, when that I said deck. that I was I think, like, I think, yeah, like yeah. You're lacking like, you know, Polaris or something sure go for it but like i think i think brood is like uh you kind of need that that's a real hit to your overall power level if you don't matter yeah definitely all right uh so our next this honestly this next topic we've kind of talked about it a lot it does it it does circle back with uh number one which is being able to understand your opponents but let's just talk about some resources you can use to do that so uh our next our next point here is the meta um so it's important to understand the meta and there's a lot of resources out there to do so so i think the first off and this is like you know very very uh sort of surface level is just to observe your opponents and see kind of how things are changing week to week day to day um the more active you are or sort of like you're actively participating and trying to understand what your opponents are doing, the more you'll recognize patterns and the sort of quote-unquote meta will take shape around you. But for me, I think that the best way to sort of cheat code this and not play a million games is to go look at streamers, like people like KM Best. Like, they're usually on the cutting edge of um, the meta, right? They're they're building new decks, and that's like, particularly when there's a feature location or a hot location, I find myself going to streamers to try to find the most broken deck for that location um there's also websites like you know marvel snap marvel snap zone snap fan they do kind of like articles on how the meta is shaping up give you some deck lists just great great places to start cam how do you go about trying to sort of understand and map the meta it's got to be mostly just through experience but also your probably your community helping you out with like you know here's this new list from here it's performing you try it out you can see how it is I I play four hours of Marvel <laughs> Snap every day of my life. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty tame. It's actually not that much. No, <laughs> no I mean it kind of is. Like that's not even really a joke, right? Like there was a there was, I was talking with uh, another streamer about this, and they they played like eight hours a day, mm. and it was just like, wait, what? Like I I actually I feel like am actually relatively tame for a capital G gamer in that I mostly don't play off stream. 
I, I mostly just play when I'm streaming as opposed to playing off stream. And that's like, you know, that's not, I, I guess I'm relatively tame in that sense. And I only play like, you know, I play that the time I play on stream, which is like four hours a day. It's, it's, I guess I'm tame in that sense. Yeah. I've said that like three times. Yeah. Um, so in terms of, in terms of the meta, I, it's less, you know, for example, we'll go back to the Killmonger, mm -hmm. the Killmonger in the Shuri Vision deck, right? One of the things that happened a lot is, you know, there's a bunch of Patriot. Patriot runs some one drops. You can, it's not going to always win the game. Maybe it'd be better as Enchantress. It's also good against Sue. I might try Enchantress later. Most of what I do is just being like, you know, hey, does this work? Does this feel good? Does this make sense? Uh, does it fit in my curve with Killmonger? My big worry was like, okay, uh, that's a card that really wants to be played late mm -hmm. and my turns five and six are often spoken for. So what I ended up doing was cutting Magneto for it to make my turn six a little less spoken for. I don't know if that's right. It's just something I'm trying. And I think that's like, you have to try. I mean, I guess you don't have to try. You can just play like something, you know, is really good. But if you want to sort of stick on that cutting edge you just have to try stuff mm -hmm. and you have to be willing to fail because like i would say i would say probably nine out of ten things that i try end up being just worse than the stock version oh, yeah but sometimes what i try ends up being good yeah and you'll see the meta evolve as well right so you talk about patriot now but before that there was a lot of death wave going around especially when she hulk came out the leader deck was developed mm -hmm. and it just kind of hoses that deck um so we see that deck be popularized and then we see a reaction to that like the usually the meta is ebb and flowing right like if a deck is super popular there should be another deck that rises up as a result that can kind of counter it maybe it's not exactly on the same power level and its matchup sort of spread is not as rounded but it does have a you know a favorable matchup into that one top deck and that's what we see with things like patriot things like zoo things that are just like hey i know you're gonna play leader on turn six how do i counter that it's like okay i have cards that synergize um and buff my other cards so don't really do anything on turn six um and you'll observe that as, as you play the game you're like okay i'm seeing a lot of leader decks now then maybe you swap over to that deck maybe you don't be like why am i seeing so much patriot patriot sucks against my my uh my sarah killmonger deck well it's like because 90 percent of the other players are playing the leader deck so it's like that's that's yep. kind of seeing the meta the last one i have on here cam is using your tokens wisely for card acquisition so the token shop is a bit of a recent addition to the game uh for pool three pool four and pool five I would just, I would give people the advice of trying to hit the big cards and the archetype defining cards first. Um, you don't have to. You can just, if you see a deck that you want to play or you see the, the quote-unquote best deck, the leader deck that's got the, the Shuri and the, the Vision and all of that, you can try to just build that one deck. But if I was going through that process again when the token shop existed, I would try to hit the, the archetype defining cards, things like Sarah, Mr. Negative, Cerebro, Patriot, Silver Surfer, Dracula. Even if some of those those cards are not in the tier one meta decks, they're going to vastly open up your options for decks that you can play, which I think is just a more rewarding experience in Marvel Snap in general, right? Especially if you're a newer player trying to learn the game, you should really be trying out kind of like every all the options that are out there so that you can understand it when you do eventually face it. That's interesting. I, I think there's, I, I will say I disagree. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but I, I just want to like dive into something real quick. I think it's important to understand that buying anything in the token shop is bad value. Um, when you buy something that's in series three, you were already going to get it for free at some point. 
That's how Series 3 works. When you buy something that's in Series 4, it will have eventually gone into Series 3, and then you will have gotten it for free. That's how that works, too. Now, unless there's cards that are permanently in Series 5, it's also true for those. I don't know if there are. I would kind of expect... I wouldn't. I would want, I suppose, Thanos and Galactus to stay in Series Five forever. Mm-hmm. I think that's good. The rarer those cards are, the cooler they are, the better. Um, I think that's good. But something like you know, Null. There's no reason why that can't be Series Three. Yeah. There's no reason why why Dark Hawk can't be Series Three. There's there's just not. And so until we know the downgrade schedule, it's hard to know exactly how bad value they are. But the way I think about it. And this is a a kind of a a tortured analogy. It's a bit like taking out a loan. You know you're getting hosed on this, but it's how you get access to something now, Mm -hmm. right? You know you're paying, you know, extra for what you're doing. If you're going to go, like, take out a home loan or whatever, you know you're going to pay 7% year over year, right? That's not good. If you could have just bought the home straight up, it would have been been a better deal. But you can't. So... (laughs) You're doing this. You're doing this thing that is a bad value proposition. Please, uh, homeowners, do not write in about equity. I don't I don't care. Um, you are you're doing something that is a bad value proposition in order to own something now because you believe that owning it now will bring a benefit to you. And that's every card in the token shop. Now, with that, with that said, I actually do think you should just buy the cards that are tier one. Mm-hmm. I actually think you should absolutely just go like get arrow leader and like Sarah or whatever, totally hundred percent, totally do that. (laughs) Like that is, those are like, I I think you should be very discerning with your cards. If you're like, obviously it always depends on context. Like if you have the other cards for it, but like, if you have leader and arrow, you can play like leader arrow dino. And that's just a great deck. If you have destroyer, you can play ongoing destroyer. I think that's like a little bit worse of a deck, but I think I would focus on cards that unlock archetypes by themselves in, uh, and cards that are just like, incredibly powerful right ongoing cards that go in decks that are good that you can play right now ongoing destroyer i believe that's what you use to climb to infinite right that's 11 pool one cards for the first season yeah 11 pool one and two cards yeah like Mm. right and it's like you know if you had access to that destroyer earlier would it have been easier yeah no yeah so you're you're totally right i think that like that's that's sort of the second point out here just like there's there's definitely a good value prop to just snagging those cards that just stand above the rest. Like I, I genuinely believe that like things like arrow leader. Now I think a leader is a bit of a dangerous investment, maybe because it might get nerfed and who knows how it much might get nerfed. Exactly. Yeah. Like balance, balance patches pending. Probably don't do it now just because of the balance patch. But like for the last month, yeah, it would have been the best purchase you could make. Yeah. And yeah, but like, like we talked about, like, Things like Arrow, like right now, just really just powerful card can fit into what feels like many decks. <clears throat> like that's something that I would be picking up pretty quickly. So just targeting those very, very powerful cards. Because what we're finding out in Marvel Snap or what it kind of seems like is that these uh, these hodgepodge decks of just the best cards in the game are performing really, really well. Um, I don't know if that will be forever, you know, as more cards enter the game, but those decks have been performing uh, very good up until now, so I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, maybe just targeting a lot of the cards that are in that particular deck list. All right, so Cam, 
last last well that concludes our top five by the way but i do have an honorable mention and this is something i want you to quickly talk about because i heard a riff uh one of your riffs talking about how this changed from the beta to the launch and it didn't change it didn't change we tested or no the sort players players fine. perception of of um how oh, important it was okay. yeah so players perception of how important this 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 topic was and that's priority so priority it's fundamental to the leader deck right so i think that 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 deck has forced a lot of players to understand priority and how important it is to have priority on specific turns um but uh, you had mentioned that back in the beta people were maybe less focused on this but now it seems like one of the most the most important things going on in the game right you're going into turn five you're going into six do i have priority a lot of times this win you can win or lose um the last turn because you know the arrow is going to drag your thing across or etc cetera, etc cetera. so Arrow is the card that priority matters the most for, I think. Arrow is the card that puts this in focus. A lot of people talk about, like, leader needs priority. It's actually the opposite. Leader doesn't want you to have priority. He just wants you to be winning. And when you're winning, you have priority. We should, at this point, take some time, because I know there are people who actually don't know what, what we're talking yep. about here. Priority in Marvel Snap means who goes first, whose cards flip first and whose cards do not flip first. And you can see uh, one of the names at the top of the screen, either your name or your opponent's name, will be highlighted. And that is the person who has priority. And having priority is determined by who is winning the game at that moment. And when I say who is winning, I don't mean who has the most points. I mean, who is winning the game? Who's got two locations that are winning? If it's a tie, if two locations are tied, who's winning that third location? If the game ended right now, who would be winning? That is the person with priority. So why does this matter, right? So let's say your opponent is, you are up in two lanes, right? You have priority, and you think your opponent is going to play leader. Well, you can beat that leader by arrowing it into the lane that does not have, that you're already losing. Because then they'll just copy your arrow. Oh, who cares, right? You did it. It's great. You beat the leader. You're up in two lanes, right? You would also be able to do that if uh, if you didn't have priority. But if you didn't have priority, you would be losing to the leader because it puts more power on the board, right? So when we talk about priority, priority isn't just your cards flip first. It's you are winning the game, right? People talk about these decks like they're priority matters. They're not priority matters. They just have a bunch of cards that when you play them and you're winning, it means you win. <laughs> like that's it's less about having priority. The, the cases where priority matters, let's say you're leader against a silver surfer deck, right? If you do not have priority and you play your leader, you'll get their buffed surfer cards and then the surfer will go off again. Yep. That's a big deal, right? Like you want to play to not have priority in that. The classic example of prio gameplay is you are playing Zoo and your opponent has Killmonger. You do not want to have priority. You want to be losing the game going into turn six. You want to be playing like Kazar on four, Blue Marvel on five, and like five one drops on the last turn of the game. You do not want priority because if you have priority, your one drops will flip and then their Killmonger will flip and kill all the one drops. If you don't have priority, oh, well, your Killmonger didn't actually kill all my one drops because they were all phased down. And so like like people talk about, I think it's a misidentification to talk about like the leader decks and the arrow decks as priority decks. They're not priority decks per se, just, you know, they're decks where if you're winning, you'll keep winning. Yeah. 
right? Like if you if you are up in two lanes and you play these cards, you have to be very you have to do some very specific things to make it so you don't win after that happens. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're talking about. Like, that's why, like, Shuri Vision is good in there, because it's like, well, I'm going to be up in a lane. <laughs> I get to pick what lane that is. And if I'm up in another lane, I'm going to play leader and I'm going to win the game. Right. They're not decks that necessarily need priority per se, like arrow on arrow battles need priority. Mm -hmm. Like, let's say you're playing like an arrow deck against Death Wave. They play wave. You're up in two lanes. If their arrow was able to flip first, it would pull your arrow uh, into a lane such that they would be able to choose the lane the cards went in. So like they would be able to swing a lane and you wouldn't. But if your arrow flips first, it would pull all of their stuff into the lane. You want their stuff to be in. It's. A lot of like small ball interactions like that that add up over the course of the game. But I do think it's less priority matters and more, you know, when you play arrow and leader and you're winning, you're probably going to keep winning. Yeah. And like you mentioned, that that's what's interesting. I think that priority adds a lot of depth to Marvel Snap because it's not a it's not a there's not just one rule, right? It's not you want to always have priority. It can be often correct to not have priority. And you want to put yourself in yeah. positions to not do that with decks like Zoo or tech cards like Cosmo or, um, sorry, not Cosmo, but tech cards like Killmonger. Um, it is important to not have Well, Cosmo, Cosmo is a great, Cosmo is a great example, actually, right? Like, if you are, if you, if they have, like, if you want to turn six, like, Cosmo, their Odin, mm -hmm. well, you better have yeah, priority. Because yeah. if you don't, it doesn't work. If you want to turn six armor their Zola lane, you better have priority because if you don't, it doesn't work. And so like this is like a really like the, the old classic example of priority mattering was like you'd play the hood on turn one and your opponent would immediately armor it because the hood has minus two power. You just give your opponent priority. Just boom, armor. You play Bucky. It, get, it probably gets armored or Cosmo or whatever, because whatever your opponent did on turn two is probably bigger than one power. And like that's that's the kind of interplay where priority really matters is stuff like that, I think. Absolutely. Where yeah. like or like, you know, the Shang-Chi hiding your power for later. Right. Let's say they Galactus you. Right. You want to make sure that they have priority so you can't get Shang-Chi when you play like your gigantic null or whatever. You know, things like that. There there are a bunch of small situations where it matters. But when it matters, it's really important. It's really important for people to understand. Yep, for sure. All right, so that concludes sort of our top five new player level ups. I'll go through them real quick. Number one was doing the math or sort of mapping out your opponent's turns. Number two was when to snap and when not to. Number three, deck building, sort of basics on that. Number four, meta. This is going to be your general knowledge. Uh, and pretty much applies into everything, but we talked about a few good resources in order to get that and how we stay up to date with the meta. Number five was using your tokens widely, wisely in terms of card acquisition. And then our honorable mention, of course. Definitely not widely. widely. Do not use your tokens widely. <laughs> Do, not use Do not just buy stuff. Literally the opposite, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then our honorable mention was, of course, understanding priority. So this has been episode one of The Snapshot with myself, Brendan Patrick, and KM Best. Hope you all enjoyed. Please let us know in the comments below on youtube what you thought what topics you'd like us to cover i'm sure next week is probably going to be something to do with the new season and some of the decks that are coming out of that um but yeah there is a video version of this on youtube at youtube.com slash the underscore snapshot um, i'm on twitter at brendan apg you can see it in the overlay here cam is at cam best cam also streams cam actually uh at cam best ms cam best ms my bad i think i have that correct on the overlay 
but incorrect in my in my saying there. Cam, what is your stream schedule? Where can people find you? And um, yeah, let's let us know. On weekdays, I stream on Twitch at 6 p.m. Uh, you will find me in the Marvel Snap category. On weekends, it tends to be in the like 4 p.m. range. Uh, this is all Eastern time, of course. And that is mostly because I know there are people who watch my stream from overseas for whom uh, like a 4 p.m. cam stream is like 10 their time. But like a, a 6 p.m. cam stream is like midnight and they're going to bed. And so I try to get like at least a couple early streams in on the weekends. Uh, that is my current schedule. Currently, it's no days off. <laughs> that will not be true forever, but it is currently no days off absolute workhorse over there well we hope you all enjoyed um episode one here of the snapshot and yeah until next time we'll see you in the next episode